Well, welcome, brothers and sisters. You guys can fold out those chairs if they're too loud. It doesn't hurt my feelings. Um, they're sitting on the, I don't know what it is over there, but they're sitting pretty short over there on some kind of bench, so that's even better. <laughs> hey, safety first, Brett, safety first. Yeah. There are a few seats in the back. There are a few. <laughs> they were stuck. Yeah, that's not distracting. There are some seats in the back um, if you want to <coughs> interrupt me again. That's cool. <laughs> um, as, as most of you know, I, uh, I've gone back to school. I've gone back to school, and I'm, I'm doing a theology degree, Bible and theology. It's, it's a, not an LDS program. Um, so I have an arch enemy now in class. Um, he and I argue on every point. Um, his name is David, and I'm sure I'll refer to him. He's a really nice guy, but uh, some interesting points have come up. And, and one of the questions they asked I thought was a good question. There's a discussion group we have to have in one of the classes. So one of the classes I have is uh, uh, prophets. And so we're reading Ezekiel and Isaiah, all the same things we're doing in class this year. And the question was, so I want to see, if, uh, see what you guys think. If there was an Old Testament prophet living today, what advice would they give us? I just cut and pasted the conference talk, but no, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't say that. In fact, I'm, I'm laying a little bit low. I, I don't tend to say much about um, uh, being a member. I, uh, I'm kind of chicken about it. I'm afraid it will just become a fight about that instead of anything else. No one will listen. So I, I, I bring up the points that I believe, but I don't tend to, to, to preface them with, as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and the only correct, true church gospel. Let me tell you what really happens. I was like, let's just skip that part and say, here's what I think. Uh, so, but, um, but what do you guys think? What would you think if, uh, if a prophet was speaking today, and just think of it like an Old Testament prophet, what advice do you think they would give? Wouldn't he say the same thing the prophets say today anyway? Well, I don't know. What, what is that? Repent. Repent? Do they say that? Well, that's what they always say in the Old Testament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the New Testament, right? Yeah, repent. Right. It always does seem, you know, Michelle, you bring up a good point. It does, it does feel that way a little bit, right? There's a fair amount of this kind of judgment and repentance and doom and gloom, right? I, I, think, I think you're right. Uh, if you were the Old Testament. Okay, thank you. She's, the caveat is if it was the Old Testament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, Russ, what were you thinking? I think it's more in what we would be asked to do oh. would be very much the same to President Nelson. Yeah. And it would be in the doing more so in the saying. The saying. I, I think I I think you're right on track. And we'll see that a little bit today. We'll see that today. So good good caveat. Marilyn. Prepare for the Messiah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. Like, hey, he's coming, right? So it's time to prepare. Patty. Keep on the covenant path. Keep on the covenant path. Um, wow, I like that a lot. Patty, you get an A, as always. Um, I was going to throw chalk, but that's an A. Um, I think prophets are like that, right? Prophets are these, we'll see it today, they're, they are uh, watchmen, right? They're these watchmen on the walls, but they tend to remind us about our covenants and say, hey, covenants. Uh, someone else? Yeah. I think encourage us to develop a relationship with Christ yeah. wherein we could receive personal revelation. So we knew what that covenant path entitled for each and every one of us. It might be a little bit different. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are covenants that we make, but we need inspirations for our own lives and the challenges that each and every one of us face, which are different, obviously. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think um, I think that is really wise. That that the how how are we going to apply that in our own lives, right? Like, what is what is the specific advice I need um, as Lori versus Daryl or versus Patty or whomever? I think I think that's wisdom. Anybody else? Yeah. We'd be encouraged to be involved in humanitarian efforts. Yeah. If at home with our neighbors and family, and in fact, all over the world. Yeah, humanitarian efforts. Well. Just so you know, you guys get an A in Bible 305. Just so you know, you, you hit them all. There was one more. I was just going to add one more thing. It better be good, though, now. It better be like the culminating. <laughs> okay. Every prophet has testified of Christ. Uh -huh. I would say, suggest that an Old Testament prophet today would say, believe in Christ. Yeah. I, boy, we're going to see all of those things, you guys. Um, let's do that. They're going to testify of Christ. I'm going to go a little bit backwards. They're going to tell us about the um, the uh, humanitarian. They're going to, let's call it humanitarian. The word that they use in the Old Testament is justice. We always think of that as being like mercy versus justice or justice being some kind of weighing of the scales or some kind of legal thing. But the term justice in the Old Testament is really giving to others, to the, the marginalized, to the poor, the widow, the orphan, the immigrant, the um, whomever that is down on their luck, right? Uh, all the prodigal sons out there. That's really what they mean when they say justice, okay? So humanitarian, I think it's gonna teach us about the way, uh, as Daryl said, but Patty, who, how, how would I phrase yours? Uh, covenant, just covenants? Follow covenants. And I liked Russ's what what we have to do, and then what did I miss? Did I miss any? Oh, repent! Oh yeah, thanks. Yeah, we'll do that. Um, do you want to know what the class said? The class was really doom and gloom. It was a lot of this repent, and in fact, one young guy's uh, training to be a pastor, so so he would be in charge of a, a congregation, and he was like, I can't wait to get there and tell them what they need to straighten up. And I was like, do you think anybody will come to your, <laughs> to your congregation? It doesn't matter. That's the right thing to do. Um, so I thought, I thought that's a little bit, a little bit interesting. Loretta. Well, in reading like the Book of Mormon, those prophets testify of things to come. So I think our prophet today testifies of things to come. Yeah. Um, I think you're right. You want to know what weird stat I learned? This is what you learn in school. 8% of the Old Testament prophets talk about things to come. So they do, right? But it's, that's not what it's they, not that's not a lot, right? They are doing these things. They tell mostly these things. Their, their purpose is to tell us what to do today rather than someday what will happen, right? They're, they're, not, they're not fortune tellers looking into the future and telling that. That's really not their purpose, right? I think. Um, there definitely is, uh, that's a pretty good amount, 8%, but I think they're going to testify to Christ. They're going to tell us what we have to do to repent the way and remind us of our covenants. I think we're going to see that. So good answers. Um, next time I'll just ping you guys on what I should say in the discussion group uh, because this was a lot better than what I said. No, do you want to know what I said? What did I say? I said that they... Um, one of the things that they do is they call us in remembrance of our covenants. And the covenant that we make in the New Testament, the new covenant, right, the New Testament, is to follow Christ. And so I said he, he shows us that we should love our neighbor 
and love God. So I used that and just tied that in. Wasn't it nice? I got an A, so. <laughs> and, then, and then the professor came and said, yeah, but what Old Testament examples can you use? Because I used all New Testament. And I was like, well, you said what would they say now? So then I had to, so, you know, Leviticus says, love thy neighbor, and Deuteronomy says, love thy neighbor, and, uh, and you know, Exodus 20 says, um, love God. So I, I had to go back and show those, so. Yay, Old Testament. So, what does that have to do with Ezekiel? Everything, actually. So Ezekiel, let me, I want to do a couple things today, so keep those in mind. What does a covenant, or what does a prophet say? Because we'll see that a lot in Ezekiel. Um, to begin... Uh, with Ezekiel, let me give you a little bit of context and overview as we've been doing. And I want to touch on something that I think Michelle hit on, is that the Old Testament, uh, actually, is Steve in here? Steve Avery isn't in here today. Steve asked a question at the beginning of the year that has plagued me all year. Do you want to know? Thank you, Steve. Thank you. You can tell, you can take this back to him, Marilyn. But he, yeah, we'll tell him. He's in trouble. He asked me, he said, you know, the Old Testament seems like it's always um, a lot more that the Lord is a vengeful God, right? Jesus seems to be this kind and gentle Jesus in the New Testament, in Book One, but in the Old Testament, he seems pretty hard. And I was like, no, he doesn't. No. Well, I guess so. And as we've been studying, I've been thinking of that in the back of my mind. And, and just like Michelle said, it seems to be a lot of repentance. Let me show you, I think, why that is and what's going on in Ezekiel and a little context. Uh, we did a little bit of the timeline, right, the beginning of time. So um, I'm just going to jump back uh, just a little bit. So in about 920, 970, I, I can't remember those years, 970 BC and then um, 722, 586, oh, sorry, um, about... About 580, we're, we're, we're starting about right here is where Ezekiel lives. And he lives in Jerusalem, okay? He is trained to be a priest. He's 25 years old at the time. He's 25 years old. He's about five years. He tells a story. And he is the Babylon attacks Jerusalem, okay? And 720, um, uh, the northern kingdom is lost here. So they're long gone. So the northern kingdom is gone. They're gone. But this is just what's left. Um, other, other prophets living at the same time as Ezekiel? Can you think of anybody that was living still in Jerusalem or around that time prophesying? Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Very good. Exactly right. Who said Lehi? Because that was the one I was thinking of. That's an A. That's like an A+. Plus. I'll write it up here so we can all gloat. Um, Lehi. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeremiah, Lehi, Ezekiel, right? Um, right before this was Daniel. Okay. Anything else? Anybody else? Good. That's a pretty good list. You're going to get a few. Mulek. Was Mulek a prophet? We don't know, do we? No, he was a king. He was. We do, we do know. We exactly know who he is, but that's okay. I, you can still get Mulek. Mulek. Ah, you can't read anything. Or Zenus or somebody like that, you know? Yeah. Just a shot in the dark, you know? The one in the Bible that they. Just. Or no, the Book of Mormon. Like Zenic and Zenus and Zenic. Yeah, we don't know where they were. I'll just put them in here. Yeah, thanks. Just throw out random ones. Yeah. Okay. So these are just the tribe of Judah that's left over. So the northern tribes are long gone by now. They're long gone. They're dispersed. The Assyrians have come. Now the Babylonians are in charge. And they come in and they take, uh, they do a first attack. And they take 
kind of the cream of the crop with them, and they take them back to Babylon. And in that group is Ezekiel. Now, Ezekiel was part of a priestly family, and so when you turn 30, so you train, and then when you turn 30, you are consecrated and ordained as a priest in the temple. So when he's third, so five years later, he is in Babylon as a refugee and as a captive. And it's his birthday. And it's his 30th birthday. And it's the day that he would be installed as a priest, the thing he's been training for his whole life. And you know what happens? Have you read Ezekiel 1? Okay, don't tell anybody. I'll tell a story and pretend that you don't know. Because there might be one or two that have forgotten the story. It's not very easy to read. But he's sitting along this irrigation canal, and he's out there thinking, and he has a vision. And it is a crazy vision. And it takes about the first nine chapters. But in this vision, a cloud comes and lightning. Now, that reminds us of something, doesn't it? Is there ever a place where there's like cloud and lightning and a vision of God? Moses. Yeah, exactly right. Moses and Sinai. And, and, uh, and that's what we're supposed to remember. <laughs> so it's like lightning and thing. And then as he looks up these strange creatures, and they have, they're kind of human form, but they've got, he calls them cherubim, but they've got um, uh, wings, and they're touching, there's like four of them in a box, and then there's like a wheel, and there's all this stuff. And then, but on top of that, on top of that is a throne. And on that throne, uh, he sees the Lord. And it says, the, the semblance of the likeness of the appearance of God. It's like, it's just so much I can't hardly describe it. The semblance of the likeness of the appearance. And it's this throne thing, this mobile throne that comes, and, and it's, he has a vision of, of God. So here he is on his birthday thinking, you know, normally I would have been made a priest, but here I am. Why is this strange? Why would it be strange that he has a vision of God? Because it happens all the time, right? Oh, not that often. Any other reason? Where is God's, so it's kind of a throne. Where's the throne normally? Where's God's throne normally? In the temple. In the temple, right? Uh, you're looking like yes, no? Yeah? We still on? Okay. So, but where's the temple? It's not in Babylon, right? Surprise. Surprise. You know that. So, so we should be a little bit like, whoa, um, here is this vision of God. He's being called as a prophet, and he, he gets a mission. And his mission is going to be to go call the people to what, Michelle? Repent. Yes. <laughs> She's like, well, I don't know her eyes got really big. Yeah, he's going to repent. Now, I think one of the reasons that we see so much of this repentance is about two-thirds of the Bible um, prophets, the 12 prophets take this period of time and they're all from this time when they're going to be broken up in kingdoms and sent out in exile. So it's kind of like getting the conference talks from the same conference. And then you know how they kind of have themes? That's kind of what a lot of the Old Testament is. So you see these 12 and it's like, hey, repent because we're going to be destroyed and then we're going to be exiled and then we're going to, you know, all this bad is coming. And so you keep seeing this story over and over again. So I think one of the reasons you see this so much and why it feels a little heavy-handed or a little doom and gloom is because you're reading these conference talks from the same period of time, right? Of when they are going to be destroyed and they are going to be scared. They're going to be scared. Okay. So, so Ezekiel. 
So he's back and he uh, is called, this is his vision of God, and he is given, he has quite a conversation, quite a conversation. Uh, I do want to point out one thing. Um, uh, in your King James Version, Ezekiel will be called by the Lord, he'll be called Son of Man. It is different than the title that the Lord uses or Daniel uses. Uh, this one really just means um, like mortal, like your son of Adam, ever, like C.S. Lewis, the sons of Adam, the daughters of Eve. It's like that. It's like that. It just means mortal. Okay? It is a different term than Daniel or the uh, Jesus will use in his ministry, just so you know. But King James uh, includes that a little. So I just, for those of you scriptorians, I also learned that school. Useless. Okay. So <laughs> they have me learning really good things so far. All right. Okay, so let's, let's jump in. He's going to be called now, he's 30 years old, he's called. Now, one of the things that happens in the, that we don't cover in the class is that that throne, that, that chariot throne thing that Ezekiel sees, it, he sees it leave, he sees a vision of it coming out of the temple and he sees it leaving the temple. He sees people worshiping false gods in the temple currently, this is right right this year when he's 30, he sees it and he sees God leaving his temple and leaving. So this presence of God is going to be leaving um, Jerusalem. But what we learn is that God isn't stuck in a temple, right? He's, he can be with his people. And so the first thing that we're going to learn is like, hey, Ezekiel and or anybody else, when you're having a tough time, the Lord can still be with you, right? The Lord, the Lord is still makes himself available to us. Right? So he leaves um, this corrupt environment. Let's look at, I want to look at, let's look at 11. Uh, let's turn to Ezekiel 11. Let's look up a few things and find out a little bit more. We okay so far? Okay, so that was kind of our context, our background. And then let's go to Ezekiel 11. Uh, you guys want to know the, format of the book? No? No. Yeah? Okay. So the book's kind of like this. He's going to go 1 through 11. Is going to be his call and, and this, all these visions. And in there, he's going to do these. He starts preaching to the people in Babylon, and he does it through these little, uh, they're called sign acts, but they're little street theater, and they're really weird. They're really, I mean, Ezekiel, did you know that... <laughs> The rabbis will say that you should not read Ezekiel till at least you're 30. Not only is it very explicit. I know you're all going to go, oh, dude, well, I might put it on my reading. I mean, I'm reading scripture. Um, it's very explicit. It's really explicit at times. Just FYI. Yeah, yeah, just break that down. It's also, it has a lot of um, deep subject matter, right? Visions of God and things. So, where we're like in primary, read scriptures, more scriptures is better. They're like, no, right? Like, whoa, this isn't for everyone. So just know it's, it's very deep stuff. But he does these little um, part of this, these really weird little um, street plays that he does. And so he goes out in the street and one of them, he, he, builds, a little, he builds a little fake Jerusalem and then he destroys it. People thought he was crazy, right? Because <laughs> he's showing them that just they'll be destroyed. And then he's another one. Are you ready for one of the weird ones? Okay, don't judge me. It wasn't mine. He's tied up like the scapegoat. 
and he has to lay on one side for 390 days and he has to eat food cooked over poop because that's what's going to happen to the people in Jerusalem. And then he has to turn on his other side and do it for 40 more days because that's how much longer the exile will last after the 300 nights. So it's one day for every year of the northern tribe and then the uh, southern tribes. And people are like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, what's he doing? And then that was one of the really weird ones, right? Um, and another one he has to do, he has to shave off all his hair and he has to cut it up and he has to uh, burn some of it and he has to throw some into the air and then he has to, I can't remember what it is, the third batch. But it's, it's like, this is what's going to happen to the people. They're going to be scattered to the wind and they're going to be destroyed. And then he takes a little tiny bit of the hair and he ties it up and he puts it in his robe. What's, if that's what's going to happen to the people, that some are going to be scattered to the wind and just gone, and then some are going to be burned and destroyed, what's that little bit of hair, that little lock of hair he's keeping? Maybe a remnant. Oh. We're going to look on that theme. I'll put it over here. Yeah, that there will be a remnant that'll be saved. Okay. So he does these little weird plays. They really did think he was crazy at numerous times. Hard to see, right? <laughs> Can you imagine President Nelson? You're like, well, I'm tied on my side for 390 days. <laughs> They're like, just get up and just tell us because <laughs> we're Americans. That's like too much symbolism. <laughs> we don't get it. <laughs> so, um, so he kind of goes through that. He sees this vision. And then it kind of goes through these three blocks. Um, the first block is what's going to happen to uh, the kingdom of Israel, then the nations, and then it goes um, chapter 33. And it's going to come off from this chapter 11. Chapter 11 is going to give us a, what's going to happen in these two sections of the book. Should we read a little bit of it and see what it is? Because it's kind of the point. Okay, let's look at it. I think we were supposed to read it today. I don't know. I don't know what the lesson manual says. It was none of this, I'm sure. Um, it was something good. No, actually, this wasn't. This wasn't. Uh. The lesson manual actually does these same verses. Let's do Ezekiel 11, and then let's do... Somebody read for me 15 through 20. Ezekiel 11, 15 through 20. This is a vision... He's going to see a vision of the destruction of Jerusalem, and then he's, this is part of this. So if the person speaking calls him son of man, that's the Lord, and he's the human. He's the mortal. He's the son of man. Okay, so those are the two people in the story. So anybody have that? Ezekiel 11, 15 through 20? Please. Son of man, thy brethren, even thy brethren, the men of, the, uh, the men of thy kindred, and all the house of Israel, holy, who are they unto whom the inhabitants of Jerusalem have said, Get you afar from the Lord, unto us is this land given in possession. Therefore say, Thus saith the Lord God, Although I have cast them far off among the heathen, and although I have scattered them among the countries, yet will I be to them as a little sanctuary in the countries where they shall come. Therefore say, thus saith the Lord God, I will even gather you from the people and assemble you out of the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel, and they shall come thither, and they shall take away all the detestable things therefore, thereof and the abominations thereof from thence, and I will give them 
one heart, and I will put a new spirit within you. And I will take thy stone heart out of their flesh, and will give them an heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statures and keep my ordinances and do them. They shall be my people, and I will be their God. Okay. Thanks, Chris. Okay. Sorry, that was kind of painful. No, it was, Ezekiel's painful. It's very clunky. Let me tell you Lori's version. Lori's version. But I just want to make sure you actually read the scriptures and not just what I say, because I'm usually wrong. He says, he says, hey, mortal, some people will say that, you know, this house of Israel, that they're all destroyed and everything. And he goes, but... I'm going to keep some of them. He says, even though I've sent them out among the heathen, right, I've scattered the house of Israel, um, I will be unto them as a little sanctuary, a little refuge. What does that mean? That the Lord, even though that the people are scattered, he'll be a little sanctuary. Any ideas? Well, I just think of where he says in the New Testament, you know, take my, my yoke upon you, yeah. and I'll make your burdens light. Yeah. So I kind of get that impression of, okay, if you'll have that heart, you'll change your heart, I'm there. Yeah, I will, I will be there. I'll be a refuge. I'll help you. I will help you. I think you're right on there. And he says, yeah, was another one? The next one then, see what's going to happen. I will gather you from among the people, among the nations, and I will assemble you out of the countries where you've been scattered, and I will give you back the land of Israel. In the future, I will gather them back, right? I will bring you back. I will bring you back. So in the middle of all this judgment that's going to happen to Israel and the nations, he's telling them what? He's giving them hope, right? There's going to be hope that he's going to bring back the scattered nations. And he tells them how he's going to do it. What's the difference? What's the difference? He says, well, I'm going to change their what? Did you catch it? Their hearts. And I'm going to take out their stony hearts, and I'm going to put in a new heart, and I'm going to put in a new spirit. He doesn't mean like their spirit, spirit, right? No. What does he mean? I'm going to get one. What do you mean? He says, I'm going to give them a new spirit. Soften their hearts. Soften their hearts. What else? It's going to change them from inside. They'll become new creatures. They'll become new creatures in Christ. Okay, well, he doesn't say that, but he means that. He's like, what are you talking about? That's exactly what he said. What? What else? I heard it. A new attitude. A new attitude. Yeah. Remember, if you're a Hebrew, your heart is the very center of you. It's everything, right? And we kind of do that. You're like, oh, I feel it in my heart. They don't really think of anything in their heads, right? It's all here. So it's like, I will change who you are inside. I will be something different inside. I will take out that stony heart, and I will put in a new heart and a new spirit. That's what's going to change, okay? So we're going to jump in and see what else he does. So first he's going to change, change us from inside. In the middle of this, chapter 33 comes along, and a messenger comes. And Ezekiel's been prophesying for about five years now. And do you guys know what happens about five years in? What happens to Jerusalem? He comes and tells him it's been destroyed. It's gone. Remember, he was taken out just in the first battle, but not during it. So it's like it's all been destroyed. So it's the, the culmination of Israel, the nations, even Jerusalem are destroyed. But he's going to promise this, a new heart. Let's look at the next, the next promise of what he's going to do. Let's go to Ezekiel 34. So see, it goes 33, and then he picks up. How is he going to do this? How is he going to change 
this has been like hundreds of years of Israel of the Israelite past, right? Of just they struggled, they couldn't keep the commandments, they just couldn't do it. Do you, don't you always think, yeah, because they sucked? Do you ever think that? <laughs> do you think we would do any differently in their place? No, no. In fact, there was a guy, I, I don't know his name, but he tried to do this year of li living biblically. He tried to live all 613 commandments. He even stoned a woman. He got like pebbles and like threw them at her. So he tried to do every single thing that the Bible instructs you to do. And do you think he did it? No, he said it's impossible. It's impossible. So can we be redeemed by just keeping all the rules? Are we going to be able to keep all the rules perfectly? No. We need a different plan. So the keeping all the rule law plan is a faulty plan. And the Lord knew that from the beginning, right? So, so he says, so I always think that with the Israelites, like, oh, they're just so dumb. Like, like, who are these dumb people? I would never be like that. That's what I used to think, right? When I was, especially when I was younger. Don't you ever read yourself as the hero of the story? Now I'm like, I'm the villain of the story. As I've gotten older, I'm like, oh, that would have been me. The murmuring and the whatever, I'd be like, yeah, we should stay in Egypt because it sucks in the desert, right? Um, and I don't like manna. And uh, building pyramids wasn't so bad, right? <laughs> or whatever the rule is. Sometimes um, the commandments are pretty tough sometimes. And that's, I think the story is, it is us. We're the same ones. But when I was a kid, I thought they were dumb. Now I realize they're me. But the Lord has a different plan. And he says, I'm going to change their hearts, and here's how I am going to um, do it. Uh, somebody read for me Ezekiel 34. Let's do 23 and 24. Does anybody have that? Ezekiel 34, 23 and 24. So he's just left this judgment, this, this series. It's like a 12 through 33. And then he's like, okay, so that's the judgment side, and then he's going to go through the hope. And he's going to bring back Israel and the nations and everyone. Okay, so how's he gonna do it? Does anybody have that? Sit. Let's do 23 and 24. And I will set, I will set up one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them, even my servant David. He shall feed them, and he shall be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David, a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken it. And 25, please. And I will make, uh, with them a covenant of peace and will cause the evil beast to cease out of the land and they shall dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. Okay, the last part was a little bit weird. But how's he going to do it? What's his new plan? We said he was going to change our hearts, but how is he going to change our hearts? What? How's he going to do it? A new shepherd. Yeah, someone's going to lead us, this new shepherd. Even this uh, son of David, right? What's What are we talking about here? When we say it's going to be this king that's from Yeah, right? It's the Messiah. The Messiah is going to come, and he is going to be their shepherd, right? And I will give them a new covenant of peace. Let's go back to, and he says, uh, verse 11. Behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day, that he is among them that are scattered so will I seek out my sheep and I will deliver them out of all places where they could have been scattered on a cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the people and I will gather them from the countries and I will bring them into their own land. 14, and I will feed them a good pasture. Um, so who is this? The, the, what, the remnants do that? 
Well, aren't you under shepherds? So there's going to be a shepherd. Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying the remnants yeah. will help him. The, yeah. The house of Israel, yeah. uh, which is Yeah, he's going to say, he's going to say, hey, I'm going to create this one shepherd, and he's going to come, and he's going to go gather over. He's going to gather them all up again. He's going to gather them. Yeah, Alan. To me, it sounds like missionaries. Sounds, sounds like missionaries. Missionary yeah. I mean, we're out trying to gather up the remnants and then bring them into the fold. Yeah, exactly. Aren't we? Aren't we doing that with ourselves every day, with our families? Missionary work, right? Where what are we doing this month? We're lighting the world, right? I even love that that I will find them where they could be scattered on a dark and cloudy day, right? I'm going to bring them back to the light. All those that were scattered, I'm going to bring them back. And then in verse 16, I will seek that which was lost, and I will bring again that which was driven away. So some that just wandered off and some that we pushed off, right? Some of us leave, right? Some people are offended, some people don't get it. Some people just leave, wander off. I will find them both. I will bring them back, and I will bind up that which was broken and will, and will strengthen that which was sick, but I will destroy the fat and the strong. I'm in trouble. And I will feed them with judgment. So he's saying, hey, I will go and save them. I will create a savior for them, and he will bring out the lost and the scattered, and I'll bring them back. Okay? So that's how he's going to change our hearts. There's a new plan, a new plan. Did, did you know all that was in Ezekiel? Yeah, it's right there. Don't read the other parts. They're weird. They are weird. They're super weird. So I have a question for yeah. you then. Okay, because it's not just Ezekiel, but in my cute Okay. There's a lot of things missing. Ezekiel only starts at chapter 35, and even then, there's just a teeny little bit. Is that because it is so obscure and weird that they don't have space to explain it all to us? Yeah, I Why think they put that in here because you can't study Ezekiel. Yeah, I think I think so part of it is because a lot of it's going to be applicable to them, right? It's like the prophet speaking to them and giving them their administrative stuff. Okay. And so it's like, well, it's going to be a little bit harder to follow because you weren't them, and they were instructions for them. So we're going to pick out the pieces, maybe that 8%, maybe that thing that's going to talk about the last day, about the latter day restoration. Because it's a little bit tedious to read 30 chapters of woe is me for corrupting the temple rites, because yeah. that's what it is, and it's weird. It is so weird. Super weird. I have a I have a couple more commentaries on Ezekiel if you want to read every single page. Um, so please please borrow them and make notes. But there isn't as much applicable. So I think when we study them here, we take that section and just say, well, that, that's kind of for them, or it would have made more sense to them too. Like his little those little plays he's doing, they make more sense to him. But I, I got to explain them. Someone had to explain them to me, and I'm like, oh, a remnant. I guess hair what. But they still wanted to kill him, so they thought he was really weird. So, um, so that's that's that. Um, I love the way it ends, though, with with what Sid read. That I will make a covenant of peace, right? That the Lord's faithful; He will <coughs> obey His promises, remember His promises to His people. That He will always try to save them. He's always trying to gather them back. He's trying to make a way for us to come back and change our hearts. Right? And the stony heart will be cut out and we'll have a new fleshy one. Right? 
it's a weird image, but we, we don't want to be hard-hearted anymore. We want to change from the inside. And then he's there for us, right? Then he's there for us. Yes? I was going to say, too, another person that talked a lot about this was Jeremiah. When he kept referring to a remnant of the seed shall return at any time yeah. that there has been a returning or a gathering place, it's usually been prepared for one of two things, which amounts to the same thing. Yeah. Which is either the building of a temple yeah. or the return of the Lord. It, and they're usually the same, part of the same. So let me let me end up, because next week we're going to do um, a middle section of Ezekiel. I get to come back next week. So we'll do the middle section. So don't forget everything you learned today. But let me tell you, show you what happens in the end, in the end of Ezekiel, because it's showing us this this last thing. He, he, he gives them this, this spiritual guide, this angel visits him, and there are these chapters where they give the instructions for rebuilding the temple. Remember, the temple is destroyed in 33, so at the end they're going to redo it. So And it's twice as big. So they, they rebuild this temple, and it never says it's in Jerusalem. It never says it's in Jerusalem, but it does say that it's, it's twice as big, and it goes through chapters and chapters of of how big it is and and there's a new priesthood and there are new ordinances being performed well that's that's just weird right didn't know that was there did you know that was there that a temple would be returned and that it would be different than the old temple and there would be new priesthood and new ordinances yeah it's there and do you know what the city is called um, that it's placed in it's not jerusalem do you know what the city's called do you want to know what city's called? Zion. No, uh-uh. It's not Zion. He doesn't name it Zion. It's something you've never heard of, I can tell. So either and I. It's called The Lord is Here. <laughs> Did you, this is the place? This is the right I didn't say it. I didn't even think of that, actually. So that's awesome. I'm like, oh, that's stupid. Why didn't I see that? Is that Patty again? No, that's Katrina. Oh, who's that? Who's that? Katrina. Thank you. The Lord is here. He's going to come back. And remember that weird throne thing? That weird throne thing, the Lord's presence on the throne. It comes back and it settles back in the temple. And from it, a river goes out. And the river goes down to the Dead Sea, the deadest of the dead, right? And from it, plants and, and animals and everything, this new Eden this new creation, right? This, the new heaven and the new earth, right? The king is coming and he is going to restore everything back to Eden, right? But you knew that story, didn't you? Yeah, you knew that story. You knew, you, it was the same story you already knew, it was just in Ezekiel. Um, brothers and sisters, I am grateful for the scriptures. I am grateful for the opportunity I have to study them and learn more of the Lord and have my heart changed and have it be uh, softened every day. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.